Episode 14, Polar Bear, more like Swoller Bear. Welcome to episode number 14 of the Adventures in Lollygagging podcast. I am your Game Master, Jeff. Uh, how's everyone doing? Are we doing okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Good. Yeah. Doing good. We got uh, Keith back for episode 14. We missed Ooh. him the last two episodes. Uh, and by missed him, I mean I mean we had an empty chair. That's <laughs> basically Ripley it. Ripley was sad. Ripley was sad. Our dog, our, our little mascot that runs around and gets very upset because we say that she can't make any noise. Uh, all right. So since Keith wasn't around last week, since Bruno was on the sidelines learning some some bandages and or bandaging tricks and and flirting with Cressida, uh, that means we have to be even better at summarizing last episode. So what actually happened last week? What do you all remember? I got this right. The look on Longley's face. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, but okay. What is that panic? So, so what happened? What happened? What do you guys remember from last week? Lots of lots of stuff went down actually while Keith was gone. We actually learned some. Yeah, we were trying stuff. to get more information on Gabriel. Are you trying to say you guys get more done when I'm not here? Yeah, kind of. Oh, okay. And we spoke with a plum hawk chick. The lumber, like Zelda. the lumber. Yeah, lady. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Zelda. Yeah, yeah, and she she was happily telling us what we needed to know or what was reported, which. Right. She's trying to steal Josh Bear from us. Yeah, because she's a big... Remember, she was like that big, strong woman, and then she looked over, and she's like, oh, wow, someone's actually taller than me, and they're not an ogre. And so, yeah, he. this is the second time, I think, that that yeah. Bear's gotten a, a kind of casual job invite. I think this one's a little bit more serious than the one before it. And this mm-hmm. one seemed a little more serious. But yeah, and you learned a little bit about, uh, about what might have happened, or at least about what was reported officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you recall any details? There were a number of bodies that were found that were attributed to some sort of wild animal or something like that, but Gabriel's body was not found. That is correct. It was reported that Gabriel, everyone keeps calling him Gabriel, it's Gabriel, uh, was uh, disappeared one night and that apparently he also had a friend. Ralston? Ralston, yeah, Ralston. that's correct. Good job. Uh, and the two of them uh, disappeared and then... Uh, the next day, a group of people, like in the early in the morning, went looking for them. And it wasn't until a week later, that whole group, the, the first two who left, Gabriel, Ralston, and then the six others, were gone for a while. And then their bodies uh, were found farther north, like way mm-hmm. further north. So it looks like they had traveled a, a significant distance uh, from where the actual lumber site was. You also got names of people to talk to. Aubrey? Aubrey is one. An ogre. Yeah, Aubrey was Aubrey is the forewoman of that particular crew. And the Hema is the other lady, the yeah. love interest of Gabriel. Possibly. Yeah. yeah, possibly. So then where did you go after that? We went to the Abbey. That's right, that's right. So we went over to the Abbey. The Abbey is kind of a grandiose term for it. It's really not Abbey material yet, but it's more like a compound for mm-hmm. for people. We talked to Heather, she was our tour guide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the stupers. Interest. Yeah, the stupers, of course, who aren't doing well. No. And then uh, finally, we got to talk to Gabriel's sister, the one who, whose letter spurred a lot of this campaign. Yes. Uh, what were your impressions of her? Madeline, she was pretty angry at a lot of things. Yeah, she very, seems very a lot of anger. Yeah. She's very upset that her father didn't make the trip and that he sent us in his stead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and even at one point, she was like, no offense, but, you know, he couldn't even send people who were good at this. Like, he just sent the cheap crew. At one point, she's like, is anyone good at investigation? <laughs> like, I'm yeah. sure. He's like, I can catch rats or something. <laughs> uh, sure. She said that there's like a contingent of former sunbearers who she thinks might have attacked her brother. Um, she described a schism uh, yes. at one point where a group separated and went further north to establish a separate compound. Mm-hmm. The details of that schism are unknown, but they were separate in some way. She okay. admitted that both she and her father blamed Gabriel for the death of their mother. Yeah, yeah, because she uh, the mother died in childbirth with Gabriel because mm-hmm. he's the younger of the two siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, you spoke with a wonderful man uh, whose voice I really like to do at this point. Uh, do you remember his name? Reinhold. Rhino Goth. It's rot. He raised his price many times. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> your guys' fault. That's kind of your guys' fault. Uh, and uh, I think the la- where we left off was you asking if he would be willing to take you to the site where the bodies were found. Is that what the plan was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And yes. so he agreed. He said he could do that for a price, and you're going to pay handsomely for that. Uh, and then you said some evening prayers, and then you settled in uh, for the night uh, next to the Stuber family's new hut. Where they, like, they welcomed you uh, to go over there. And so we're going to start uh, in the morning. And uh, as morning comes, you can see that there's a hustle and bustle as people begin to slowly move in the direction of the Eastern Shrine, uh, the Eastern Temple worship area of this compound. There's one on the east side, there's one on the west side. In the morning, it seems as with their, their morning prayers are looking to the east where the sun is rising over the Felrock Mountains off there in that direction. Uh, whether or not you choose to go, some of you might, some of you might not, eventually after the morning prayers where they're the same woman dressed in this ceremonial war priest like outfit uh, gives the morning prayer like the sun glistening off and you notice that it's not actually the best weather today a little overcast threatening rain doesn't quite rain throughout the course of the morning prayer and when everyone moves back to the large pavilion where there's this big old open area where people seem to be having uh, a communal breakfast slash brunch of some kind uh, before they head off to do their various tasks for the day. Uh, Reinhold uh, tracks you down and informs you that he has been given leave and that he is ready to leave whenever you want. Oh, you are a good tracker. You found us. I think we're about ready to go, so... So he warned you of a few things. First of all, it's not... The the site's not close. Like, you guys are actually diving into the northern woods of the Retung, Retung Forest, which extends a significant distance and if you recall that there are kind of two primary competing uh, groups, there's like the monarchy led forces that are trying to take certain things, certain groves of ironwood that have like these really prized saplings that, that make higher quality, uh, higher quality goods. Whenever those are discovered, the monarchy's crews kind of swoop in and take them. And the monarchy gets free labor because they're just using their various prisoners. Whereas the PHC, uh, the trading company, they hire a lot of the ex-prisoners to, that want to stay on, that don't leave, and they go to certain places, but eventually they all get pushed out. And you recall that there was like one grove far to the north that Aubrey Hogg was working at. But they are a decent distance. Like regular lumber is perfectly fine and near the town, but that's not really what they're looking for. They're looking for the higher end, higher end stuff. So it's not a quick travel. You're not going to be there today. Like it's going to, there's going to be some, some wilderness travels, some overnight stays. And so get yourselves right and ready for that. Is there anything anyone's looking to do before we 
we fast forward and start doing some travel. Probably try to get one more heal off if possible. So someone that can bandage or... We got Bruno's a new... here to help. Yeah, so Bruno spent some time... Uh, Here's bandage. Bruno. Okay. Um, do you have any bandages left? You need bandages to do any of this. Use the old bandages. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have bandages. Okay, <laughs> okay so you do have some bandages left. Okay. I will attempt to do my first ever... Very nice. Heal skill. What? Uh, where are you at on the track? Moderately. So then the difficulty is, uh, since she's moderately wounded, it is a routine heal check. Oh. It takes about half an hour. That means I can add 10 to it. Let's do this. I pass. Okay. So With flying can, colors. Okay. So you can go ahead and move up once uh, to a lightly wounded. Bruno, thank you. You seem to have studied well, and I am definitely feeling better. Oh, I am quite good at everything I do. Thank you. Oh my god. The RP is doing my job off the fucking chain right now. Jeez. All right. Uh, eventually, Reinhold uh, comes comes to to you and he sees you getting ready with your cart and stuff. And he says, um, "It's going to make things a bit more difficult. Where we are going? There ain't no roads. I'm gonna make him bring it. it. Just means it'll slow us down. Well, how do you guys bring the wood back? I don't bring any of the wood back. I don't collect lumber or anything. They have their own system. I'm just saying, if you want to be moving quickly and things, it'll be easier. Yeah, I don't think we need to bring it. We can just pack our bags and go along. Is there I mean, a place we can leave it here? does have the large chest of money. Money. You got a large chest of money. I'll take my just double it once again. <laughs> I mean, it's empty. It's not a lot of money, but it's heavy chest. It's all a matter of perspective. Uh, do you, is there anybody here that you might trust to look after it? I mean, I trust the Stupers. Okay. Agreed. Okay. So if you're okay with that, you can leave the the, the cart, the money, uh, and the horse behind. I'm going to take some of it. Yeah. All of it. That's a good thing in case we hit a 7-Eleven on the way. <laughs> get all the and things. So there's 300 silver in it right now. Okay, so red slurpee. Okay. Red slurpee. Are you keeping track of how much is in there? Yeah. So that like, when you come back, you're going to count it again? Do you do this in front of Carl? So no. Carl can just no, look at you no, like, no. you don't trust me? Okay. Okay. No, okay, that's fine. So you make you make arrangements to have Carl watch the, watch the car, watch the horse while you're gone, uh, and you take whatever provisions you need from it, mm-hmm. uh, and you take whatever bandages or other items, etc., so make sure you keep track of that with your inventory, because if there's something that was on the cart that you were going to rely on out there, you don't have it anymore. And you set off. Uh, by the time you set off, it's maybe 10, 11, just before noon. The The first parts of travel are pretty simple, uh, and, and it's really you're along the path, like the unfinished road. You're traveling between what looks to be plots of land that people have uh, have purchased uh, or have, have claimed uh, you see other farmland. There's ex- extensively far out to the to the east, uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's pretty easy travel. Uh, along the way, Reinhold's fairly quiet, uh, but every now and then he he kind of mumbles up and points to a specific locations like this. Right over there is the Hobart farm. Right over there, it's old Smitty's, and then just kind of those types of things and. You know, if you look out your left window, you can see, and if you look out your right, that's pretty much all he does. And then eventually, by late in the afternoon, with the sun going down, uh, you reach the river that he was talking about. He describes it as the Tershvela. Uh, and when you look at it, it's about 100 yards or so wide, uh, give or take. 
Uh, it's not flowing particularly fast, but he describes it as being relatively deep. And uh, there is a crude stone bridge that seems to cross it. Uh, it looks to be a mixture of kind of river rocks that in some sort of mortar or, or, or sediment paste uh, that were put together crudely. And you can see that the there's no like railing or anything. It's probably big enough for some kind of carts or wagons, probably hauling back whatever the ironwood is that they're bringing back from the north. But it's very rocky. And you can choose if you want to either cross it, continue on. You have probably about another hour's worth of light at most. Uh, or you can choose to stay south of it. It's up to you. I like to give... I'd like to give Ashley choices for where she sleeps so that she can get yeah, paranoid concerning. every time I ask the question. <laughs> uh, I think we should continue to travel. What about you guys? Yeah. Okay. Before I cross, I skip a silver shilling across the lake. That's you just weird. wasted a silver? Oh, my God. Yeah. Of your own what? money. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's my own money. That's a lot of money. Wow. Like you just That's like, oh, my God. That's like throwing a $20 bill in the water. It's like, for good you luck. Do? You're crazy. It's like throwing a twenty. You just threw a twenty dollar bill. Away. It's like three days of food. <laughs> it's it's so much. You have no idea how much you just wasted. And when I guess when Reinhold sees it, he's just like apoplectic. Like you're just insane. He's like, well, I guess my fee just doubled again. If you can go throwing <laughs> throwing money money away. Uh, okay, so you guys travel for another hour or so. Uh, he points out a couple other places, but you can see that the the creep of the of ret, of the woods themselves are coming further and further westward. Uh, as you're moving northward up the peninsula, it's getting a little bit colder. Like there's definitely some some winds are starting to kick in as the sun goes down to the west. Uh, it never actually rained during the day, but it was overcast for all of it. Uh, and eventually, you, uh, you you start to see that you're running out of time. So we're gonna do a little wilderness travel. He's he's serving as the guide, so you guys don't have to worry about that. If someone wants to assist him, that's okay. But I've already done the role for that. But if anybody wants to take on the role of survivalist. To try to find a decent place to camp. Sophia does not have survival. I believe that was me last time, right? I got 57 for survival. Wow, look at this guy. At least 57. That's all you. All right, I'll go for it. It's not a special skill, so I think you can... Yeah, pass. Okay, so yeah, you managed to track down um, a fairly decent plot of land. Uh, again, you don't... When you're, when you're looking around, you don't see the large swaths of farmland. There's occasionally... You can see in the distance, like, smoke coming up, like, as if there might be some homes up here but it doesn't seem nearly as established as the the lands south of it but you go ahead and you settle in for the night you are not quite into the woods you try to stay away from too many trees you probably find a small area where you can nestle and get some break from the wind but you don't go fully into the forest it kind of looms up ahead of you to the north uh, and you settle in for the night you, all of you before you start falling asleep you can hear that same heavy level of insect sounds just begin to permeate it's the same sound that you heard, some of you heard, I would say Zofia heard, especially while she was in town the first night. And it kicks up super loud uh, to the point where it becomes almost deafening to all of you. But for some reason, when you look over at Reinhold, he's just leaning back against this rock. He's got his hat, that little weird animal skin hat, just covered, covering his eyes. And you can hear he's just sort of snoring away as if it's not bothering him one bit. The rest of you, however, need to go ahead and make a resolve test for stress. Sophia passed. Pass. Okay. Dave Bruno passed as well. I pass. Anyone fail? Layer pass. All right. So maybe you're just becoming a little bit more acclimated to the area. Uh, maybe because you've heard it before. Or maybe because all of you realize it's probably just some crazy freaking insects in a, in a forest that isn't 
that isn't yet uh, over overrun with the presence of humanoid civilization. Uh, but eventually, one by one, you start to, to fall asleep. Is anyone staying up to keep a watch or anything? Sophia no. would like to rest. Rest, take a shift. Hold on. Bruno, take a shift. Okay. Uh, after he's done, I'll take one as well. Yeah, okay. I'll take last watch. All right. So anybody who is going ahead and making a watch ro- uh, rotation, just do me a favor and roll. Uh, we're going to call it, because it's dark out, we're going to call it an eavesdrop test. So it's more about listening for stuff out in the wilderness as opposed to looking for things. Uh, and I'm going to treat this as challenging. Bruno failed. What is challenging reducing? Challenging is uh, minus 10. I pass. I pass. So, which one of you would would go first between Irwin and Emma? Oh, I went. I went second. He went first. I okay. went second. And I was she last. Last. Okay, Erwin, um, While you're up for, you're probably spending like an hour or two on your your watch. Um, as you relieve Bruno, he doesn't say anything. Like, no, everything's all clear. Everything's fine. Just those those damn insects. It does eventually start to quiet down, but you can still hear them. While you're up. Everyone else is sleeping. There's this small little flicker of a fire probably that's still there. Nothing too heavy. You hear something in the distance splashing around, you think, at first in the in the river that's uh, winding to the south of you. And then you hear what sounds like wild animals fighting at some point and eventually is really loud immense growl that you're surprised didn't wake anybody up and then does it sound like really close it's hard to tell but no it's not immediately next to you but it's within hearing distance so you would imagine it's it's probably within a maybe 200 yards 300 yards or so you don't have any vision of it yeah it's, a, it's an overcast night you can't see anything whatsoever when i hear that roar i'll wake mm-hmm. bruno and emily up and as you do so uh the two of you can start hearing it as well and you can hear what sounds like a yelp from some other type of creature, maybe a wolf, maybe some other animal that just might be in these woods or near these woods, but you can hear something. And But the growl that you hear periodically is incredibly loud. Again, every time you hear it, you're just amazed that no one's waking up from this. It's like someone dropping something really heavy on the ground. Have you ever heard anything like that before? I no. Mean- not in this area. Maybe uh, we should wake him up. Maybe he knows what it is. He's been here before. Okay. You can uh, ask him. I'm going to go wait. How do you pronounce it? Reinhold? Reinhold. Yeah, Reinhold. Yeah. I'm going to wake him up. Is that the guy from uh, Overwatch? Isn't there no uh, Reinhold? Reinhardt. Never mind. Never mind. It's Reinhold. <laughs> Sorry. I was wrong. Uh, it's like Judge Reinhold. Um, <laughs> okay. So you wake him up. Yeah. And he, he's not none too happy. He looks around. And he Sunshine, what do you want? There's a very loud uh, creature that is nearby growling. There's going to be two of them if you wake me up again. (laughs) All right, all right. And he gets his up, stretches a little bit. He takes a listen. And it's one of those weird moments where it's just like everything's suddenly quiet. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't hear nothing. Yeah, getting. Getting a little scared being out here in the wild a bit, are you? A little, little bit of frightened. <laughs> it's all right, bro. It was just a bad dream. And as he's doing that and mocking you, that's when the growl happens again. And that yelp of another creature as if a second one. You know, and then you suddenly see his face just kind of go, Oh, it's no good at all. And he starts to, to get up 
and you see him quickly run over to where the fire is still flickering, the little light, and he immediately starts shoving dirt over top of it. Bruno goes and helps him. Okay. Everyone. Wake everyone up. Wake everyone up. Okay. I will start waking people up. I'll start with Chovy. Okay. And so, uh, no one makes out. Everyone be quiet. Very quiet. You've got weapons. I will ready my crossbow. Okay. Uh, and it's pitch black at this point. You can see, obviously, each other, like the vague contours, like this kind of black and white. You can still smell the smoke. Yeah, it's no good. It's no good at all. And he looks around. Um, um, you, little one, climb, yeah. climb that tree. Quickly, go, go. I climb what he's pointing at. You, like, run over and start climbing up it, no problem. Um, okay, right. If, if she comes, and I say run, you run as fast as you can. Distraction. Back the way we came. Okay. If who comes? Who's took? Don't worry. We don't have time for questions. And he's like, quickly, fine, fine cover. Uh, hide, everyone, everyone hide. Uh, uh, uh. And he's just utterly panicking at that point. Uh, and he is is looking for any sort of shrubbery that he can he can crawl into. Uh, so everyone, just go ahead and make a stealth check, including Chovy. Is there any way we could throw off the scent somehow? What is it? It's, it's a monster. It's what it is. Number is fourteen. Remember that it's a it's a it's you don't know the it just treat it like standard and just tell me what you roll. Forty-one. I mean, I didn't pass my basic thing. Fifty-six. <sighs> Sophia definitely failed with a ninety. Okay, don't forget we have. Fortune points if you want it. I do want. 81. You keep doing it. You I like? failed with the 89 as well. You don't know if you failed. Bruno has a 70. But there's at an 89, pretty good there's chance. There's nothing that could save me. It's too Bruno far. Has a 70. Okay. All right, so the only ones who rolled well are, I think, Chovy and, and Oro, right? Is that right? I got 41 if that's well. Okay. And Emily. 56. Reinhold rolled a nine. Ooh. <laughs> you guys Ooh, look around, right. he's gone. Like, we're oh, very close. <laughs> he, left he just left you. He's like, see ya. <laughs> Don't go to be faster than him. You just go to be faster than someone else. Bruno's going to hide behind a tree that's obviously way too skinny for him. Okay. So I want everyone to go ahead then who wants to go ahead and make an awareness test. And this is going to be hard. This is for, for visual acuity Ooh. at this point. Oh. I barely go. And that adds... Pass. Minus 20. Yeah, hard so is second, yeah, it subtracts two. 20. Yeah, so Sophia I failed. fails. I passed. Okay, it's one pass. Minus failed. 20. Minus 20. I just failed. Okay. By two. All right, so one success. All right, Emily, where are you hiding? Describe uh, your hiding place. My hiding place? Yeah. So Bruno's behind a tree. I'm behind Bruno. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. And unfortunately, Bruno is probably looking in a different direction. But as you all scatter a little bit away from the camp, and you can still see some of your belongings are laying on the ground, uh, some of the, the campfire, you can still smell it. You can still kind of feel a little bit of the heat despite the cold, because like it's it's very cold at night at this point. But there's that cold, there's that warm air that kind of billowing out from it. Emily, all of you hear these heavy footsteps, like grunge. Crunch, crunch, as if something is approaching. And then you can hear something else 
just like this steady dragging sound. And none of you see what's making it. All of you are scattering. Chovy, you're, you, you've got the best eye, like looking up from above, but you can't see anything. It's just too dark. It's just too dark for you to see anything. But Emily, whatever it is, you just manage to, like your eyes just adjust a little bit more quickly. And you can see what looks to be the contours of some kind of massive creature that might be, you're not really sure. Like it's on all fours. It's got these fairly long, muscular, thick arms and this huge barrel-chested body, like enormous, uh, must be on its on on all fours. Has to be at least as tall as as bear, like six, seven oh, feet tall, just from from ground to back, and it's on all fours. I can't quite tell the coloring, but it looks light colored, maybe maybe whitish, maybe a light blue. You can't you can't tell if it's. If it's just the darkness that's kind of making you look that way, you can see there's patches maybe where it's been wounded in some way, and it's just slowly moving, dragging something behind it. And you can see it passes right by where Erwin is hiding, right by them, and doesn't seem to notice. Steps into the middle of your campfire, and it drops something, whatever it was dragging. And then you can see it rear back and stand on its hind legs. And now it's more like 12 feet tall. And that growl that you all heard from a couple hundred yards away suddenly bellows out. And each one of you immediately reaches for your ears as this thing. This is so loud and deafening. I need everyone in here to make a hard resolve test for fear. Oh my gosh. I pass. I pass. I fail. I pass. Oh, thank God, I passed. Passed. Okay. So, Bear, you're going to take 19 points of mental peril. Cool. Are you dead? As you begin just. to just shake. If, somebody, if anyone's near him, you just begin to... Maybe it's because you've been in the woods before. You've seen strange things. Maybe it's the memory is flooding back to you but whatever it is you can just feel like even though your hand might be gripping that maul it's just starting to shake and the maul is just starting to slide out of your hand and the tip of it just hits the ground and immediately Emily you see as this creature still standing immediately whips its head around and looks into the direction of the sound and starts to lumber walking on two legs comes over towards wherever Bear has been hiding. Bear, where have you been hiding? Uh, like laying down under a bush. Okay. Like putting dirt on me. Okay. And you can see it comes up Can I like to this bush. feel on the ground for like a rock? Sure. Absolutely. You reach down, look around, you find some sort of small loose, loose rock and it's at this point standing, towering over top of I the shrubbery. I want to like lob that like across like farther away from us okay so go ahead throw it as far as you can uh and you can probably heads back to the northerly direction its head whips around as if it's listening for that and begins to lumber on all fours running as fast as it can in that direction how about this how about roll a roll a standard bronze check we'll just see how far you're able to throw it well we'll make it athletics i should say sorry athletics 
Oh, then I passed exactly, and I fifty-five crit success. And so with a with a crit success, you chuck this thing. You know that you all you all are in grave danger, and you just throw it as fast as you can, and it starts darting away. And you and you probably chucked it at least thirty to forty-five, fifty yards, maybe. And you hear from out of nowhere, Reinhold whisper very quickly and quietly, "Move, run, run right now!" And he starts to bolt yep. southernly. I'm gonna follow him. Okay, we're gonna Emily, move. Emily like reaches run. up for Chovy, and I'm like, just come on. I jump into her arms. Okay, and we are going to do a chase scene finally Ooh. for the first time. Okay, so the way this is gonna work, we're gonna use our initiative, which we which we rolled off air, uh, and then each round, what's gonna happen is you're going to calculate an escape value. Right now, you all are running for your lives, and I want to make that abundantly clear. Uh, Reinhold, who is a local, who is a rustler, who knows about animals, who is a woodsman, recognized what this creature was, mentioned a name, and then stressed that you all need to run, like run for your lives. And then he started running. He looked deadly scared. He looked deathly scared of it. Now you are all about a mile away from the river. And we're going to treat that like where you need to get to. Now, just because it's a mile, don't worry about that because everything is kind of abstracted when it comes to the chase scene. Like you can use you can use whatever distances you want. So for us, it's just going to be that's where you're trying to get. And if, as long as you can get that far without this creature catching you, there's a decent chance at that point that it might give up the chase. And for us, since we have so many people at the table, we're going to use three rounds because that's, that's what they recommend so that everyone doesn't get bored because uh, otherwise you're sitting around for a really long time. What we need everyone to do, so every turn what's going to happen is you guys are effectively going to roll a dice, or excuse me, a die, uh, a d10. You, on the first turn, because you guys got a head start thanks to Emily's quick thinking, uh, you all will get plus three, plus your movement, plus a d10. So you all have your d10, you all have your movement calculations, and that's going to calculate kind of how far abstracted-wise you get. That's kind of like the like a, a certain amount of distance that you travel to get back to the river get back to the across that across the river something like that uh, and then once you all get to do that the pursuer this creature also gets to do so and if at any point their their calculation of their pursuit value is equal to or greater than your calculation for the escape value they can attempt to capture you uh, which requires coordination tests but you also get a chance to resist and if they get you i mean you're you're rolling a new character okay so what we'll do then, and then there's also the opportunities for complications as well. Uh, so that's something we didn't really talk about off air, but uh, for us, I think complications are fun. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, they're faced by characters with the lowest escape or pursuit value. So meaning whatever you all roll, whoever rolls the lowest, something bad might happen and you roll a D6, it's chaos die, classic. If you roll a six, something bad's gonna happen, right? If you roll anything else, you're probably fine, okay? Probably. All right. So now that we have set that up, I'm ready to barf. Let's get serious. Oh okay. Dear. So let's let's get back in. Let's get our game faces on. So this massive creature comes dragging some other thing up, drops it in the middle of your camp, hears the scared vibrations of Bear, who is shaking in this this underbrush, drops his maul, and that sound drives this creature over towards that bush, starts rummaging through that, that overgrowth. When Emily quickly grabs a rock, throws it like 30, 40 yards to the north, 
causing a sound, a ruckus a little bit away, and that creature starts to run. Reinhold then whispers and freaks out and says, run, now's the time to run. And so you all immediately break into a run. Chovy hops down into Emily's arms, who puts then Chovy down on the ground, and then you start to run. I need every, I need, so we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna roll our, our escape values. Uh, so first up is actually Reinhold. And he rolled decently. And so Reinhold will have, it's gonna be, all right, so that's 17 for Reinhold. Uh, Chovy. And again, since this is his first round, you guys get a head start, you get that th- plus three bonus. 16. So you're right up there, you and Reinhold, like Emily sets you down and you immediately, your little legs start going, Gretel's, you can feel Gretel moving around, but like tucking underneath one of your sleeves just to make sure that she doesn't fall out as you run. Uh, Bear. Uh, Plus three, 16. Once you see that creature bolt away from you, like you, composure sets in once again, like you're you're fearful, you're still shaking, you you feel this, this weird tingling probably at the end of your fingertips, but you manage to quickly get up, get up, and then you start running as best you can. You probably were a little bit further south south than everyone else, so even though you're not able to run maybe as fast, you you were you had a little bit kind of a head start maybe, because maybe you're on the southern side of the camp, but you start running as fast as you can. Uh, then we have Erwin. That's 15. A little bit further behind, maybe a little bit slower to react just slightly, uh, but you can, you're right on the tail. You can you can almost reach out and kind of grab Bear or reach out and grab Chovy. You can see Reinhold in the contours of him in the distance. Remember, everything's black, everything's dark. You don't even see anything. You don't have any torches out, you don't have any lanterns out. There's no starlight, there's no moonlight. This is pitch black and you are being chased. And I would say all of you have to sense at this point that like maybe Zofia is the only one who's been this close to death before when she was in the water. It's probably the closest thing. Uh, so then next up, I believe it is Zofia actually. 14. Falling a little bit further behind, a little wounded still, uh, not quite back up to your, your full strength. Uh, that, that hip injury that you took is just making it a little bit more difficult. Uh, so then it'll be Emily. 18. Emily throws Chovy down on the ground, you know, politely, and then immediately hauls ass as fast as she can. And maybe it's your military training, whatever it might be, uh, but you immediately go... Many of you left some things behind. You're not quite sure what they were. You almost stumble over something that was thrown into the middle of the campfire, or excuse me, in the middle of the camp, but you had seen it. You were the only one who really got a good look at this thing, and you managed to hurdle over top of it and just keep running. Bruno. What am I adding again? Uh, so it's three plus your movement plus a d10. 14. Okay. So Bruno was being used as a as a hiding place by, by <laughs> Emily, and maybe she just pushed him a little bit too too much as she like sprinted off of top of him so Bruno got a little bit a little bit slower of a, uh, of a sprint uh, and so he and uh, and Zofia are, are bringing up the rear you can all hear that roar happen once more this loud echoing roar and then you can then each one of you without having to roll any sort of eavesdrop test can hear the thundering footfalls paw prints whatever it might be coming from behind you as this thing is no longer fooled by this small little sound of a rock when it starts hearing people the the clinking of your coins your weapons your your whatever it is you have on you that you managed to grab i don't even know if all of you are carrying weapons those of you who probably were awake maybe did maybe some of you didn't who knows but you're making you're not trying to be stealth anymore you're not trying to be quiet you're just running and running and running and it hears you and it begins lumbering in your direction and so again since it's the pursuer and i gave you all a head start it does not get that plus three bonus like you did going to roll a d10 and it did not fortunately catch up to anybody but Zofia Bruno you can hear behind you that there is something 
something coming. It's 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 pretty close. Like you can you can very much feel as though it's getting closer and closer to you. Um, you can't quite hear like its breath or anything, but you can feel the ground kind of shaking ever so ever so slightly, ever so trembling as whatever this creature is. Uh, Bruno, why don't you go ahead and roll a complication die? And actually, Sophia, why don't you both you roll complication dice? You both have the lowest. We're looking for sixes. No six. No okay, six. so you're all good. No complication. All right, start of the next round. Uh, you're getting a little bit closer, about a third of the way back. Um, Reinhold is just, at this point, just shouting, just go, go, fall on the bridge, run. So then up first, it'll be Reinhold again, who's running way out in front. This time around, you don't get your head start. You don't get that plus three anymore. And so as as you see Reinhold just burst of speed as if he just as he just ran over some video game thing and he's just like all of a sudden like Sonic super fast as he rolls a 10 uh, and it's going to move him way the hell out in front of everybody. Okay. What kind of bridge was it that we crossed? Uh, it looked to have been like river rocks probably mixed together with some sort of mortar-like paste. Uh, didn't have any handholds or footholds, but it was it was a good probably seven, eight yards wide, probably enough for a decent-sized wagon. It was a little uneven. It wasn't the smoothest, but it was, it was definitely passable. And the actual bridge itself, the width of the river is anywhere between about 70 and 100 yards, depending. You didn't really quite measure it out, but it was it was a decently sized, uh, decently sized river. It's pretty sturdy. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, all right, Joby. Ten. So you stumble a little bit as you're running, uh, maybe some of the in, in the, in the frenetic pace, maybe as you're bumping shoulders with other people, your small frame is probably not helping you too much as you're maybe getting caught, uh, caught a little bit. Uh, your little legs aren't moving as fast as, uh, as you might have hoped. Uh, then we got bear. Right, no plus three this time. No plus three this time. 10 as well. <laughs> oh boy. That first initial burst of speed that Tatuya you had is is maybe that that rush of adrenaline is starting to cool you off just ever so slightly. Uh, Erwin. 13. 13. Uh, are you guys shouting anything, doing anything, yelling to each other? What are you doing? Like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. I Run for us. Okay. You're not going fast enough. Run like your life depends on it. Can't even even in a situation like this, always just so proper. Like, oh, good, <laughs> good, good. Erwin. Uh, okay, uh, Zofia. Oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. 15. Okay. You uh, start to move a little bit further past as you start to pass Chovy and Bear. Uh, you can see Irwin starting to drift a little bit past you. That opening round, like that opening lap of yours, you were probably falling a little bit behind, but once you've got going, your momentum is just carrying you at this point. You're too close to death before. You don't want to die again. The the pain you're just die pushing again. through. Uh, Emily. I rolled a nine. Emily stumbles a little bit. She starts falling back. Reinhold maybe looks over his shoulder. He's like, leave her! Leave her! <laughs> it just starts going. Uh, Bruno. Emily, you may feel bad about that, but I got an eight. Oh, boy. Oh, oh God. That was oh, already no. behind. Uh, and then, finally, the creature with the lowest value right now being eight. And I will tell you that in the last round, I had a pursuit value of ten. <laughs> and I have, unfortunately, rolled low, but not so low as to not be able to take a shot at Bruno, uh, who's falling way behind at this point, maybe helping uh, helping uh, Emily uh, up a little bit, and I'm going to attempt to try a takedown. Uh, so again, the way this works is I first have to roll uh, to try to take you down, uh, and then it's a coordination test for me. If I'm successful, you have the opportunity to resist it. And so for me, I'm gonna treat this as routine. It's fairly wide open, but it's also in the dark. So that's giving it slightly more difficult problems, uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and do that. And that is a success. 
with an eight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, what am I? So it's challenging for you. It's the inverse of my difficulty. Right. So for you, it'd be minus ten. Who is this again? This is coordination. Um, I'm good. Okay, you're Just good. Barely. So it reaches out and grabs onto you, probably, and you can feel this massive swipe of some, I don't know, hand, paw, you're not really sure, rake down your back, probably might rip bits of your clothing, but you manage to shrug it off and dip your shoulder down and continue to run. Uh, I also do need you to roll a complication die, though. You're good. good. Okay. So, you're more than halfway there. Uh, Reinhold, at this point, way out in front, is shouting, We're almost there. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop. And I need Chovy to go ahead and give us a trick. Oh my god, I rolled another 10 on it. I rolled the same thing three times in a row. The same uh, total. Nine this time. Okay, nine total. Yeah. Chovy. I can't keep Getting up. winded. Getting winded, starting to, to, to fall back a little bit. Definitely not being chivalrous and trying to fall back and help the friends behind. It's totally windedness. Uh, bear. <laughs> Alright, do or die. Well, that's a good one. Uh, 17. With a burst of speed, this large, lumbering, probably man who has ogre giant blood in him goes moving past uh even those of you unable to actually see in the dark can see can feel like wait did that giant creature get out in front of us i thought it was behind us and then that's when you realize probably it's bear uh okay Irwin. here is breathing 17 okay so Irwin continues to run right up there right alongside nice. bear nice. at this point it's pretty clear who's uh who's bringing up the rear uh and who's actually leading out in front um so bear in, in Irwin, the two of you running as fast as you can, you're right on Reinhold's, tails, uh, Reinhold's tail uh, as you feel the ground suddenly change from the kind of hardened, hardened sediment and dirt, um, slight movement, and then suddenly it's just flat hardness with no kind of silt layer that you would expect from that. And you realize you have reached the bridge, but Reinhold's not stopping. He's like, keep going, keep going. We've got to get across. We've got to get across. And it's a little bit harder to rain. You can feel your muscles beginning to ache a little bit. You can feel like all of the the pain that's starting to, to formulate on the bottom of your feet, on your ankles, on your knees, as, as footfall after footfall is just slamming over and over again. And you don't even have breath anymore. You try to reach back and shout, but you might not even be able to. It's like breathless as you're like, hurry, hurry. Uh, all right, so then it'll be Zofia. So as Zofia's running, jump in the water, run across the bridge. Jump in the water, run across the bridge. She's if you jump in the help. water, there's, uh, he's like, you're good. It's, that wall's freezing, run. Okay, 17. And you can feel, you can feel the bridge, the feet come, the, the ground come up to meet your feet as you run and run. You're not adding the plus three anymore, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, so then, Emily, way in the back now, you 11. can see Bruno stumbling behind you as the creature reached out, but managed to managed to, to swipe at him, but fell. Uh, Bruno. We're staying together. 11-2. Yeah. I rolled really poorly last time. I rolled a 10 this time. Does it have plus zero to its movement? No, it okay. does not. Um, I actually could get anybody. <laughs> That's, yeah, so I can get anybody, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to continue after Bruno, uh, having already tabbed you once. He is quite plump. He's going to go again. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and make one more coordination test to try to take you down. I even I rolled even better. I rolled an 8 last time. I rolled a 7. I've rolled so far tonight a 9, an 8, and a 7 whenever I've been doing like fancy things. So right now Bruno, Bruno failed, and he's giving me a, a fortune point, which is going into my cup. 
I'm good. Okay. So this time you can feel the meaty paw swipe against you. And I'm going to say, go ahead, uh, and you're going to take, because this is twice now, it's managed to make contact with you. You're going to take eight points of physical peril as you're feeling like a little bit of soreness where this, this massive paw, and you stumble a little bit, but you reach your hand down and you keep from falling, scraping your hand against the ground. Uh, as he stumbles, Bruno, uh, Emily's yelling, Bruno, as she grabs him and tries him to and running with it. pull him with it. Now I need you to roll a complication die. Do I also need to roll one? Yeah, go ahead. Both you do it. Since both of you are in the back. Okay. Okay. We're all good? Yeah. Okay. So the two of you start running across as well. You can feel, you almost stumble a little bit as the ground changes from that loose, loose kind of sediment covering over the, over the, over the path to very, very hard, kind of uneven, uneven bridge. All of you manage to get across huffing and puffing. And it's, it's probably Emma Lee and Bruno who realize at first that it doesn't seem to be following. It doesn't seem to have crossed the bridge with you. You look, you look back and you no longer feel it, you no longer see it, you no longer hear it, and then moments later, as maybe you shout out and tell people that it's, it's no longer chasing, you can hear the distant, a distant growl again from a hundred yards away, like on the other side of the river at this point. You can, you can hear the river swishing by, and that's immediately deafened by this loud growl. Everyone else is, at this point, probably collapsing to the ground a bit. Everyone's going to go ahead and make a toughness test for me. That's a fail. <laughs> I failed. You think I have a chance? Nah, I don't have a chance. I fail. Pass. That's a fail. Okay, for those of you who fail, take 14 points of physical peril. As you are exhausted, uh, Bear specifically, 14? I would say, Bear and Bruno specifically, the two of you are probably closest to having something terrible happen to you. Bear at the very start of this when this creature lumbered over into your hiding hole. And then Bruno twice being able to dodge it. When you when you take a moment and you start feeling around in your back, you can feel that your, your clothes have been stripped and you can actually reach underneath them and feel your skin where some blood has started to to kind of welt up a little bit. doesn't feel like it's a very deep gash or anything. It's more like it's just a superficial cut. But you realize if it was any closer, even half a step closer, that thing might have just ripped through you entirely. And everyone just falls and collapses to the ground, breathing. Is everyone here? Is everyone all right? What the fuck was that thing? Yeah. It was... It was stuck. Mother was stuck. What is that? It is... A creature of great age and savagery. We are fortunate to to escape it. Everyone, are you intact? Everyone. I am alright. It yeah. nicked me, but I think I'll be fine. Just can't feel my legs. Unless it has poisonous claws. You're lucky to have them still. It should have should have gotten to you. It was very quick thinking, Emily. Are we going through her home? The whole ruin, to some degree, is her home, especially the territories beyond the river. Normally, she prefers the coastline. She was ranging a bit further this eve. Quickly, we must put some distance between us just in case she decides to cross. And so he starts just moving at a quickened pace, but not running, more like kind of a light jog as he's just sort of hustling. Uh, I want everyone to roll a d6. I rolled a six. Two. Four. Three. Okay. Five. 
So only one person rolled a six? I rolled a six. Okay, so both of you... Both of you, in the run, drop an item. Okay. And you don't know what it is. You just, just sort of look, like, look through your... I mean, like, you're not really sure yet, but I would say you dropped an item. It doesn't have to be something massive, but it was something that would have been on your person. Um, so what kind of things would you have immediately grabbed and carried? Um, my shield. Um, uh, I mean, I don't have, like, a weapon that I carry because mm-hmm. my armor... And it's your shield. Yeah. Yeah, your shield clattered to the ground at some point. You vaguely maybe remember hearing it hearing it drop, but you're not exactly sure. I probably sure like when. just dropped it to grab yeah. Bruno. Yeah, you're not yeah, maybe you had it, maybe maybe it was when you picked up Bruno, maybe it was running when you were running across uh the the bridge when you were running, but you yeah, you just you don't know where it is. What about you there? What about you there, Bruno? What would you have had honestly on you at that point, knowing that you are at the last second just getting up and running? Uh, well, my weapons for sure, since he woke us up early. Okay. Yeah, I would say just that. Okay. Shield, yeah, you have a sword. Shield. So you can pick either your sword or your shield. You probably dropped along the way, and I'll let you pick. So I would say you probably travel about another two miles southward in the dark until Reinhold feels a little bit more comfortable saying, this is probably okay. And he, he settles in, and he just... Get your breath. Does anyone have water? Anyone? And I would imagine most of your packs, you, you left. Yeah. Like I, I, you, yeah. Know, you probably just left them there. You know where they're at, and hopefully they're still in good condition, but you probably don't have... <laughs> the, the There's the river here. nearby. You're two miles south. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. If you want to go back there, by all means, go right ahead. No. No. So, as you all settle in... I would say no one gets a good night's sleep. No one gets to move back up on their uh, on their on their rest. Uh, and I think everyone would probably be on edge. Everyone who has a weapon probably has it brandished. Maybe every now and then your eyes kind of doze off. But then the person sitting next to you just rams an elbow into your ribs. So you're kind of like relaxing, sitting on the ground, looking around. Maybe each one of you looking in somewhat you know different direction, listening really carefully. But no one really ever gets a very good night's sleep. Uh, when morning comes around, you can only recover to un, uh, what's it called? Uh, imperiled. Excuse me. Sophia would want to ask Reinhold at some point, either during the night or in the morning. Is it possible that is the PHC blaming that creature for the deaths of anyone? Or I don't think so. No. Okay. No. Do you know where its den is? <laughs> no. No idea. Is it safe for us to go back in that direction? We've got to go that way. There's no pure safety anywhere here. It's true. Is it nocturnal or? Yeah. I think from what I know of it, it tends to prefer movement at night. Yes. But it could be could be active during the day as well. I don't know as much about it. I try to avoid it as best I can. I'm not like that foolish governor. I don't go seeking it out, but... What do you mean? He's got a fixation. He wants to hunt it down and mount it on his wall. I think likely the other way might happen. Moostuck will mount him. It's neither here nor there. I, I think we should make... Make back for the camp, recover. I'm quite, quite thirsty. Quite hungry. Yeah. Refill our flasks at the river. And so he, he starts walking in that direction at that point. 
I want, so I would say if you're going to start looking for your items that you dropped along the way, I want the two of you make uh, some awareness tests. Uh, you can make them at challenging. My shield is gone forever. Okay. There's, there's more stuff you can re-roll if you like. I'm okay. Okay. Can I assist him? Sure. You can assist her since she just rolled, but he already, he already rolled. A six, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, I'm fine. I got okay. it. Okay. So uh, as you're as you're passing over the bridge, uh, you can see that your shield f- flew over the side. It kind of like it did one of those things, like a coin, where you drop a coin on the ground and then it rolls on its side for a while, and then it landed and fell off the bridge, but managed to embed like in the first level, so it didn't actually get caught up in the, and swept up. So you can kind of go down there into like the silt and just pull it out, kind of shake it off, wipe it off a little bit, but it seems none the worse for wear. Unfortunately. Seeing where hers ended up, Bruno, you probably conclude that you might have accidentally dropped it into the water anyway, or maybe, maybe Us took, took it or something like that. You're not really sure. When you get back to the camp, you can see that your your bags, your belongings have been thrown about a bit, uh, and you can see that some of your bags are a little bit torn up, and you can see there is a massive carcass uh, splayed about half over top of your fire. It looks like a fairly large elk of some kind, a stag maybe. Uh, certainly quite large, but not remotely as large as Ustuk. And the fact that it was just capable of just dragging it almost effortlessly gives you some understanding perhaps of this creature's strength. But it's just laying there ripped apart brutally. Uh, everybody, with the exception of old... Uh, of old Bruno here. Go ahead and just make a quick stress resolve test at routine. As the sight of this just viscera, as like it's been disemboweled, its entrails kind of floating, or not floating, or just flowing along. What's routine again? Uh, routine plus is 10. plus 10. I failed. Sophia failed. Pass. Pass as well. Okay, those of you who fail, just take, uh, take three points of mental peril as this the sight kind of disgusts you you can feel your stomach kind of rolling a little bit maybe you want to vomit like part of you feels like you're on the verge of vomiting Um, how like ripped apart is like the pelt the what the pelt it's it's pretty this thing's in pieces this thing's been i mean you can try you can you can you can certainly try to get some animal pelt from this if you really wanted to but it's it's kind of soaked in blood it would take some time it's up to you though how much time well it depends on the roll that i'm gonna have you do right roll a survival check because it's all torn up pretty bad, I'm gonna make it challenging. So minus ten. So roll a survival test. See how well you do. Uh, I don't pass. Well, how how uh, would you roll? Uh, sixty-five. Okay, you get a couple. I mean, like we'll say you got like one piece of animal hide, but it's 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 not the the nicest. Okay. It's uh it's kind of torn up a bit. It would need to be kind of aftermarket stitched together a little bit more. It's not as as nice as the cat skins that you got that one time, which were. Gotcha. I'm just sure. adding to my collection. Okay. Yeah. At some point, you really should probably do something with it because they probably stink after a while because they do have <laughs> like blood and, and tissue stuck to them. Uh, you managed to collect your things, pack them up, uh, eat some of your rations. Reinhold seems to have settled a bit, but he is looking around like, like his head just constantly shifting at every sound, like a little cricket or the sound of a bird. His head's just shifting and looking in that direction. But uh, he also seems somewhat impatient, seeing... We should move from this place as quickly as possible. I agree. Yeah, let's go. All right, who wants to be the scout? 
I won't be able to do it. Bruno, he's not very stealthy. I'll do it. Very sneaky. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Apparently. Seven feet tall, whatever. <laughs> Let's see what I get. Uh, pass. Okay. For what was the difficulty? Uh, it's it's one of those <laughs> hidden things. Actually, no, wait. It's uh, challenging. Excuse me. Is that 10? Yeah, it's, uh, it's right, plus, 10. Plus, minus 10 to your, to your roll. Still pass. Okay. So... You start to range out a little bit in front of everybody. Uh, Chovy seems to be focusing more on collecting the uh, the various sundries that have been spread about. Everyone's taking some time to collect it. And you just, you and Reinhold, as Reinhold's trying to pick up the proper path, not wanting to, to stay on the route he was, looking to go a little bit further away from the coast, or excuse me, from the river. Keep an eye out for anything. There's more than who's stuck in these woods. Eventually you all get going and you start traveling some more. Uh, the day passes, you stop, get some food, and you probably bed down again at night, uh, find a decent place somewhere in the woods, uh, probably a little bit more alert uh, with your with your guards, keeping two people up at once, someone looking, someone listening. Uh, Reinhold suggests no fire, despite the fact that it is quite cold at night. But morning does pass, and uh, you eventually, on the next day, uh, wake up, all of you kind of shivering, uh, I need everyone to go ahead and roll a toughness test. Crit success. Jeffrey, can we um, get another one of those beautiful... Oh, did you get a crit fail? Points? Thank you. All I right. Failed. failed. All right, so whoever failed, take nine points of physical peril as the toll of the travel between the cold night, not getting great rest, everything is beginning to take. It's, it's certainly beginning to, to bother you. So the cold, it kept us from going back to uh, unhindered. Right. You're, you're still in peril. You're never going to go like yeah. out, out, and this. You're never going to go back at this point, um, just because of how terrified and alert you are. Like you're constantly feeling as if though you're in danger with this with this creature possibly lurking about. Reinhold even says to you, "Don't get too complacent. We might be being haunted. She's a clever girl." And then, <laughs> about midday. You can uh, you can hear the sounds of sort of distant voices shouting. You can hear and smell some kind of burning, and eventually, you come to what looks to be a very, very awkward grove of trees. Would almost look like these saplings, as if they're not fully grown. Uh, and you can see they go as far as the eye can see. Is what where originally these tall, massive, wide trunks give way to these tiny little, almost almost as if they're not, you know, they're, they're, there's something wrong with them. But you can see there's people scattered about, uh, some of whom seem to be in the process of cutting some of them down, which looks to be a little bit more more involved than you thought it might be. But these these kind of sturdy sturdy wood, uh, you can see a woman uh, off uh, way off up on what looks to be some kind of. Some kind of separated area is burning some some other wood. Doesn't look like the same stuff. Like she's probably making charcoal or something like that. But you have reached the logging camp with Aubrey Hogg. You look around and you, you see that there's somewhere in the neighborhood, maybe twenty, maybe two dozen people here. Uh, Reinhold kind of apologizes a little bit. He's like, I figured it might be best to find others for a little bit. Um, maybe with such a large number, who stuck wouldn't. Won't, uh, won't bother us once more. And uh, safety in numbers totally understands. Good idea. So, as you start scattering around, some people look at you and like a little shocked to see like random people out here in the middle of nowhere. But uh, 
But eventually you do see a tall ogre woman uh, with this long braid of hair going all the way down to her ass. Uh, she's probably the same height as you, Josh, as you bear, excuse me. And uh, she seems to be barking and directing some orders, a couple people. Uh, others seem to be kind of on break. What do you guys like to do? I'll go up to, uh, I'm guessing it's Aubrey. You were told that she's a an ogre, and she's the this is the only ogre you see. I'll just go up to her. Uh, sorry to just drop in on you like this. We'll just be passing through. Hope we're not in the way at all. Uh, not yet. Just make sure you don't. We'll, we'll keep it that way. We're just going to sit here a bit and rest. What kind of person passes through? Where we actually wanted to north. speak with you. Uh, Me? Yes. I'm afraid I don't know any of you. We are... Do you remember Gabriel Zeiger? He was on your logging crew. I do. Uh, his father hired us to try and figure out what happened to him. And, uh... He was probably dead. thought that was pretty common understanding. That's what we've we been just, here in. Yeah, we just want to... We need to confirm and the fact that there isn't a body... You don't need concrete proof. Not sure what to tell you. Um, he was a good worker. He, he wasn't the best, wasn't the worst, but he, he hustled and he, he was intelligent. He learned. Never had to told him, tell him to do things twice. He picked up on things quickly, kept to himself a bit, except for Ralston and Hemmer. Basically, the only two I've ever seen him really socialize with. But. One night, just he and Ralston just walked out of camp and it didn't say anything to anyone. And we sent some folks after him, maybe thought they wanted out to take a shit or take a leak or something. A week later, we found them, found them all there. All the Gabriel that was just torn to pieces. All the Ralston, too, in fact. Was it the workings of, uh, a beast that lurks in this forest. Uh, I, I forgot. Know. I've, I've heard different things. I've heard beasts. I've heard maybe Gabriel did it himself. I've 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 heard theory after theory. I know what to tell you, sir, but I try not to think about it too much anymore. It's a it's an awful sight, to be honest. Have you ever had run-ins with a uh, a big polar bear-like creature? I almost uh, got. Uh, my friend Bruno over here. I've heard of it. Anyone who comes this far north has heard of it. I think we're in largeness number as to maybe deter her a bit. Is there any other way to dissuade it? Or just more numbers? I don't know. Never had any encounters. I know a few who have. Most don't come back quite right or quite whole. Sophia pipes up and says, Wait, did I hear you say that Ralston's body wasn't found either? Oh, no, they found the body. It just wasn't torn up. It's all, all the other ones ripped pieces. How did he die? Um, he was dead as well, but he was he was intact. He was the only one that was intact. He, when I got there um, to make the RD... And he was laying on the ground and arms crossed over his chest, gripping something. The wound 
in his back, but compared to these others, he looked the most peaceful, if you ask me. You mentioned that there was a possible theory that Gabriel would have done this, so that yeah, that all I, matches. I had a couple of people mention that, but the boy didn't have a violent bone in his body. Even swinging an axe, he was a little careful. Felt bad for ruining the trees, even. But, uh, yeah, I don't believe it at all. I don't believe it. I, uh, I'm sure he's dead, though. It's been so long, there's no way he survived out here that long. He was smart, but he wasn't savvy about the wilderness the way others are. Good hunt, but he wasn't quite proficient at it. Can get a rabbit every now and then. Could hook fish, could fish well. This far deep in the forest, there's no fish you're going to find, so... Even the river isn't particularly well stocked. There's no way he would have survived. I still think it's possible whatever got my men probably got him, but I don't think he killed anyone. Certainly not the men. Is there any bit of information or any rumors that maybe you didn't include in the report back to PHC that his father might find interesting or comforting or anything? She kind of looks at you a little sideways at this point, kind of, who, who did you say you are again? My name is Sophia. As Emily mentioned, we were hired by his father to try to get some answers. His sister sent a letter to his father, and his father hired us to come here and see what we could find out. So at the mention, when you mention like official report, and if there's anything that she kept out of the report, she suddenly clams up, and she's like, now, everything you need to know is in the report. And that's it. She just, like, immediately cuts off. As if, like, the the possibility, maybe, of there being some sort of official inquiry or maybe you're trying to, like, get her in trouble or if she says something that doesn't correspond with it, maybe she would get But she just immediately becomes suspicious. Like, when you first started talking, you were just, like, you were just sort of reminiscing a little bit about the man. But when once it started, sounded official, she just started to clam up at that point. Yeah, just to be clear, we are not official in any way. I've got, I've got things to do. And she gets up and she starts walking away at that point, just immediately. I have, I have a job to do. She goes and about 10 yards away and she starts talking to somebody else. That was a bit odd. Sophia, what'd you say? I just asked, since we were not the PHC and we were here for the father, if there was anything that might not have been in the report that could be helpful. Wouldn't... They get in trouble for that, lying on an official report. That we don't work for the PHC. We wouldn't be reporting anything back to the PHC. She doesn't know that. But how she would, like, I mean, we know how they are. She doesn't know us. We, we we barely made like we failed like a small tidbit of our job, and they stopped giving us work if we were to, or if word were to somehow get back that some small piece was left out of the report they would be stuck here with no work. I also wonder if maybe she's hiding something. If she's so scared of, you know, something like that. I I feel that it's very suspicious that she just got up and left as soon as she said that. But I understand from that perspective for sure. So Emily just kind of like looks around and is there like a worker or anybody nearby? Yeah. Yeah. There are kind of, there's, there's some that are all like, you can see that there's probably about a dozen people in the area. 
there's like I said, there's the one woman up that's up on a ridge line that's kind of burning some stuff. There's a couple of people that seem to be sitting around like like they're eating. Like uh-huh. It's kind of like they're taking a shift break or something like that. But yeah, there's there's people Maybe scattered. Maybe the what was her Hemi? Is that what her name? Hema. Hema. Can I approach the people on the shift break? Sure. Yeah. Is she coming up? Just a mix of folk that nothing, nothing really yeah. stands out. Human here, gnome there. Yeah. Dwarf there. Hi, uh, I'm looking for Hema. And they just look up at you, and they point up at the woman up on the ridge. On the ridge line? Yeah. Okay. So just I'm kind of shrug. Mm-hmm. Head up there. I'm going to go with her. So when you get up there, you can see that she's got this really large, looks to be some kind of like tin drum, and she's in the process of burning these huge chunks of, of dried wood of some kind, just throwing in there. And she seems to shuffle something, some of it out, like these little black rocks. In the process, you, you you you're definitely as you're getting closer. Like it's it's not uncommon for you to see this. This is a fairly common thing. So she seems to she's she's an elvish woman. When you get closer, you notice she has some some fairly uh, light features. She's kind of quiet. Uh, she seems to be humming to herself a little bit, um, but isn't really you know it doesn't really seem to be communicating with anyone else. There's no one else nearby. She's kind of off by herself. As uh, as we're approaching her, I kind of call out and I go hello. She jumps a little bit, turns around, and she looks at you. She's got this short, like, brown pixie cut, kind of, uh, and this heavy bang that drops down the left side. And that, as you see her turn, like, the, the, the braid, the bang, just kind of flips it a little bit. And there's, like, a little bit of a burn scar uh, down the left side. And she sees you, and she's like, uh, who are you? Hi, uh, I'm Emily. And I'm Erwin. She looks really confused. Just understand, you all are several days away from town, and you just yeah. randomly show up. Yeah, and and Emily's just like, I know this seems really weird. Uh, we got told by Zelda that you guys were out on a job. Yeah, on the job. We're here to investigate uh, Gabriel's disappearance. She just looks at you. On whose authority? His father's. We're trying to find His what happened since yeah. there's no body. Uh, Master Zyger received a letter from Madeline, Gabriel's sister. You can see without even needing a scrutinized test, she makes kind of like a sour face, like just like her face kind of twitches a little bit at the name of, of Madeline. Yeah, uh, and Madeline said, claims that Gabriel's still alive and that she knows he's still alive, um, but everything we're finding points to the contrary, that he's, he should be dead. Everything points in that direction. The obvious answer is likely the one you should adopt. Is is passed on. Perhaps there's still something we're missing. We're this, just looking at this point to see what if... you're missing is his sister is a lunatic. Is what you're she's angry and vile and hateful. She is very angry and hateful. I I agree with that for she's, sure. But at the same time, she's probably hurt and is looking for answers. But he's been gone for some time now. I don't think he'll be returning. Do you see very many people out this far? No, only who we come out here with. Occasionally, someone from the monarchy will come and interrupt us, commandeer some of our equipment to tell us that we can no longer cut in these woods, in this area. How often do you guys encounter somebody from the monarchy? Every couple of months, maybe, if we've stumbled across a new grove. They're, they're not as adventurous as we are. They have to 
keep their labor force in check. They seem to let us do the finding, and then once we find it, they swoop in and take our finds. We only get to work these precious grows for some time before before they say it's monarchy business. Did you guys run across somebody from the monarchy around the time when Gavril disappeared? I can't say. No, I don't think so. What would you say Gavril's uh, relationship was like with Ralston? They were friends. She seems really guarded around you all. She's like, they were, they were friends, co-workers. We're all, everyone gets along with everyone well enough. I just, I know it seems weird because we just came out of the the jungle and everything and she's like uh and she just kind of like plops down and she's like we had the most terrifying encounter on our way here to to reach the camp with you guys um i'm sure it was quite terrifying i'm afraid i have work to do i have a quota to fill okay and and emily's just kind of like awkwardly like staring at her and then like looking back at like everybody else down below Mm. and then she's like all right well we'll leave you be Thank you. And she just turns around and just goes back to, to work. So you've got these two women who are a little bit clammy when it comes to, to getting some questions from, but the day kind of progresses a little bit further towards the night. Uh, should we talk to Aubrey and see if she'll let us like stay around? or? Yeah, it's not that she's not going to kick you out or anything. Yeah, okay. You seem fine. I mean, she just didn't want to answer any specific questions, but no, I mean, I doubt you'll have any issue. Okay. Bunking around for a bit. So leave in the morning? Yeah, we can leave in the morning. I mean, we don't want to go out at night. We yeah. learned that lesson. No. We'll, we'll stay and maybe something interesting might happen while we're here. I mean, we could, since we're here, offer our services until maybe they open up a little bit more. but Or just continue on. I'm not very familiar with how to take care of uh, wood. It is special. I could hack a I could hack a tree down, but it wouldn't be the way that I'm sure you're supposed to do it. Unless you're down. talking about Chopi's services. Oh God, no. Oh, okay. and well, and yeah. I only have the one arm, so you know. Um, they're just testing sure, the trees here and all that. They, I'm sure Bear would they, know. Yeah. No, they're they're definitely taking the saplings down. It's just it's a little bit more involved process than just cutting a tree down. Like they're being a little bit more careful with it. Like this is again. It's like prize. This is this is just prize. Like this is these are good. These types of grows are not found as regularly on the mainland, but they seem to be more regularly found. It's one of the reasons why they keep pushing further and further northward is they're finding more and more of this that can be used for a variety of more high quality like weaponry and things like that. I think they should just be walking around checking out their logging equipment. Okay, let's bring me back. Might work with my dad. I know. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it. I would say, yeah, for you, like, everything was familiar. You're kind of tracking everything. You're like, I understand that. You probably, I'm not sure if you've ever worked with, especially, because, but you definitely get it. Like, you can see, maybe you sit down and and sort of shoot the shit with a few people, talk talk shop. Uh, like, hey, you know, yeah. is that a 228X? Oh, I had one of those when I was a kid, you know, that kind of thing. Talk about models. Uh, but eventually you all bed down for the night, uh, find your way around what looks to be um, a decently set up campsite. They have multiple tents that are set up for them and people start uh, going into them for the night and you all find places to, to sleep outside. They're the fire they leave going. And as the night progresses, Emily, you're, you're woken, not by a howl of some crazed monster, but by a hand pressed over your mouth in a very cold, 
piece of metal suddenly thrust against your neck. When your eyes open, you see the fairly petite face of Hema inches away from your own as she is crouched on top of you. And she says very carefully and very quietly to you, Who are you really? And what did you do with him? everybody, Jeff here again saying thank you for listening to episode number 14 of the Adventures in Lollygagging podcast. Now, if you're listening on release day, this is the last day to enter into our Zweihander core rulebook giveaway. Uh, if you want to do that, you have to very quickly head over to Twitter right now, at Co. Find the pinned tweet that announces the instructions for this actual giveaway. Like it, retweet it, follow me, and uh, enter yourself into a chance to win a brand new copy, untouched, unclaimed, and maybe a couple other small little odds and ends that we haven't really announced uh, in a package that we will send to you free of charge. Uh, now, if you happen to be listening to this after release day, well, sorry. Uh, hopefully, we'll have another giveaway sometime in the future. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, if you like what you're hearing, we would love if you uh, wouldn't mind going up on iTunes or Stitcher or some other platform and giving us a like, a subscribe, some reviews would be great. Uh, and uh, that's about it for this uh, for this announcement. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and get back into our codas. We got one up right now. It's uh, it's about good old Bear, our friend Bear. So thanks again, everybody, and we'll catch you next week with episode fifteen. Coda. Bear's turn to cook. Bear Walbrun and his father had never been this far north, had never been to the Rhine city of Hallback, had never worked a lumber job so deep into the winter, but necessity made strange bedfellows. Work had slowed in their home village near Falgorad, and tensions along the Rhine evermore border were clearly to blame. When the emissaries from the Rhine came at the start of autumn, half the village wanted to beat them away with sticks. The other half wanted to abandon thirty years of independence and join the monarchy. After the emissaries left, it was neighbor against neighbor, and no one had much use for Walbrun woodworking. But Hallback did. A nasty fire took out a whole block and reconstruction was underway. Bear and his father arrived just in time to win the contract for a new stables and some specialty furniture for one of the city's inns. Special orders meant special wood. Special wood meant deeper excursions into the plentiful forests east of Hallback and the uplands of the Eisterfells. An easy enough task in spring or summer, but winter was another matter. There hadn't been a day on their trip that snow didn't weigh them down, a steady storm that would make only the desperate and the foolish turn back. Bear was not yet sure which they were. If they were foolish, at least they weren't alone. Laborers were aplenty, strong ones too, Bear thought, tending to the near-boiling broth hanging above their campfire. It was his turn to cook and they would need a good deal of stew tonight to fill the large bellies who had led him and his father into the uplands. The one named Ragnar, in particular, was a head taller and twice as heavy as Bear, who at sixteen could look at the other laborers, even his father, in the eyes. He didn't even need to stretch, not that he'd want to right now, his side still sore from where a splinter of rock wood 
had cut through his wool garments and left a gash. The woods here were different from his home, harder and more fickle. The locals had warned him, of course. They'd warned about all sorts of things. They hadn't even felled any of the trees in the clearing, after all. They'd simply found the trees knocked asunder, uprooted, and the smaller saplings split in half. When Bear asked what likely happened, Ragnar said, Might be the winds grew wild with the storm. Might be the rocks wanted a better resting place and slid down the slope. And then Ragnar pointed to claw marks, both fresh and old, and the brown splotches that decorated some of the fallen trees. Might be, too, that the demiurge themselves stalks these hills, bestial and free. The large man shrugged when Bear tried to ask more questions. It is dangerous territory, boy. Dangerous, but special. Ragnar, who Bear's father deferred to in matters of the wild, more than once had to bark at the others to pipe down that noise carries in the uplands. If you are quiet and patient, he told Bear, you can hear for miles, but so can whatever else is in these hills. So Bear listened, when he worked, when he rested, and now as he cooked, sliding chunks of vegetables into the pot. He listened and he observed. He observed that despite the large man's size, Ragnar had a gentleness to him. Bear and his father had brought their company ox, Kaber, on their travel to Hallback. When Ragnar wasn't working or sleeping, he was checking on Kaber, feeding him, soothing him, once singing to him, and even cleaning up after the ox's dung. Ragnar used dried droppings to help get fires started at night, and although the smell was a bit wretched at first, the wind carried it away. Bear caught scarcely a hint of it now, overshadowed by the simmering vegetables. Ragnar sat nearby on a log, carving strange runes into a staff of wood he had taken for himself. He had done this every night, had mumbled words in an unfamiliar tongue. Whenever Bear tried to ask what the runes meant, what the words said, Ragnar smiled a sad smile. They are not for you to know. Bear shrugged and went back to carving chunks of venison, mixing them with the broth and vegetables in the pot. Behind him, Caber chomped away at a pile of sprouts. The sky had momentarily settled, and for an hour now there had been no flurries of snow or sleet, but still steady wind. Bear's father wanted to take advantage of this, and had taken the other workers to bundle logs before the sun fully settled. It was because of this that when the overgrowth to the east began to rustle and bits of snow fell from the branches of the few still standing trees, Bear knew it was only his fellow laborers returning. And when a snow owl erupted from a nearby tree hollow, Bear knew it must have been a small rabbit and that the younger Walbrun was not the only one ready for dinner. And when two saplings burst into splinters and a bear the size of four men came bursting into the camp, Bear heard the doomed words of the seer in his head. The eye of the storm is only a reprieve. And knew that this must be his foretold end. And all of these things that Bear believed he knew, none were true. For it was not he who the beast of the uplands charged after, but Caber, faithful ox of Walbrun woodworking, lover of berries and willows. The bear was a thousand pounds at least, with scars cascading down its back and legs. And as it charged, Bear could feel the froth fly from its mouth and splatter across his cheek. It was instinct, not forethought, which led Bear to launch himself at the side of the beast, lowering his shoulder and throwing his weight, but failing at knocking the beast off its course. 
As Bear tumbled to the ground, knocked prone from the power of the creature, he realized what his act had done. No longer did the creature have eyes for the Walbrun family ox. No, now it stared hungrily or angrily at the family's namesake. The beast turned more nimbly than one might expect, roared, and suddenly stood taller than any ogre Bear had ever met. Bear felt his arms suddenly loosen, and the spoon he still held slid from his grip. His back cold from the ground, his legs weak and shaking, Bear sought for any prayer that might protect his soul after death, finding none. It was then that Ragnar, his new strange friend, stepped into view, interspersing himself between the beast and Bear. He shouted gibberish, made himself seem larger than his already large frame, swung his arms wildly up and down, to and fro. It was then that Bear began blinking, for it appeared as though Ragnar's hands were on fire, or perhaps holding fire. A wretched, foul-smelling fire that Bear now realized was ox-dung set aflame. And the great beast recoiled, its front paws gesturing strangely, its head turning, and finally, finally, its legs backing slowly away from Ragnar. But Ragnar pressed, stepping forward, guiding the beast out of the camp until it finally turned, fell back on all fours, and ran eastward into the Eisterfells. When Ragnar returned, he helped Bear to his feet. Easy, the older man said, dusting snow and dirt from Bear's coat. When satisfied, Ragnar returned to his log, picked up his staff and motioned with it towards the boiling stew still hanging above the fire. Tend to your duties, boy. The Demiurge seeks not you today. Wordlessly, Bear retrieved his spoon, wiped it down, and began stirring the stew once more.